0: A man loses power when he pities, and through pitying, suffering itself becomes infectious. This is the Yochum Strength Podcast, with me, your host, Austin Yochum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Derek Smith. Derek was a legendary high school strength conditioning coach before he left the S&C field to carry on the plumbing dynasty. And on this episode of the podcast, Derek covers just how he did that and why he transitioned out of the S&C field. How looking at the field from the outside gives you a lot of insights on the inside And how small changes can lead to massive benefits. This was an awesome podcast for any coach looking for business advice and just to listen to just a really good and cool guy that has a lot of knowledge outside and inside the field that I think can apply to anybody looking up to start a gym, anybody looking to get into the high school sector, anybody that is a strength conditioning coach. So hopefully that is all of you and touches you guys all in some way. Uh, And I hope you guys get as much out of this podcast as I do. Uh, Currently recording in Florida um we just finished up our world softball tournament um didn't go with our normal team but got and got an awesome experience here um won a couple games lost a couple games i think we were seated like 90th going in ended up placing like 40th so that was pretty cool um beautiful weather here uh we were at this like bougie airbnb as pool everything like that so it's pretty sweet here flying back to minnesota tomorrow uh getting back on the grind then then we got a flight to dc to present, uh, two weeks after and then Thanksgiving. So a lot of really, really cool things coming up. Um, and excited, to excited to share with you guys and excited to continue on the journey with this podcast. Next guest still, we got two guests coming up this next week. I'm not sure which one will be posted first, but, um, awesome podcast coming up, awesome guests coming up, uh, and really, really grateful for you guys listening. Really grateful for you guys continually sharing any feedback you have, um, whether it be on the podcast, whether it be on the guest, anything like that. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be good good feedback either. It doesn't have to be just how great the podcast is. If you guys have any feedback on, hey, the sound, uh, there's something you can do with sound or something you can do with the video here. We'd love to hear all of that too. Just want to really uh, continue to push this podcast. And it's something that I've enjoyed doing a lot more recently this past year, investing in it a little bit more and making sure that the, the product is where I want it. Um, And and the guests are guests that I want to have a conversation with. So ranting a little bit there, but any feedback you guys have, we'd love to hear it. Um, And any way we can make this interactive, I I really, we started putting it on YouTube. And I I think it's cool to have the, the comments there and hopefully make it just a little bit more community based with the podcast and continue to grow that out. Um, got something uh, a coaching corner product coaching corner product that we're working on that hopefully will kind of tie all of that in together so i'll drop some more details on that when that's finished up but a lot of really cool things life is really great uh and i appreciate you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast while we're um in florida playing softball and doing this so hopefully you guys get a lot of this podcast thank you guys for listening keep chopping wood before we hit the intro music i wanted to introduce to you guys the yokum strength insider The Yochum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yochum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app, that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yogam Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF, Nutrition and Lifestyle Guidelines. That includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section, right before you pay, for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakam Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit
1: hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance
0: really is. Coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, glad to be on, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I, can we call you coach still like well what's the deal there How, what's the what's the title we're calling you nowadays
1: yeah hell i'll be coach for a long time i go through coffee shops and restaurants and
0: town and
1: there'll be some kid i coach back there all right see you coach smith so it'll <laughs> it'll stick for a while
0: yeah so i i like i said before i've been loving a twitter page just like the humor uh humor of everything but i think one of the cool things that you talk about a lot is well obviously you have the experience of actually leaving the the strength conditioning sector which I like I always love hearing people from the outside because I think you get a much better perspective from the outside looking in rather than when you're in it like you, we can say all we want when we're in it, but we're still in it like you can't really get a global perspective on things and like a real life perspective on it um so I'm just interested like what was the what was the reason for getting out uh and what has that process kind of been like for you?
1: I mean reason kind of just like a culmination of things. Uh, my kids were starting to get older, and the school I was at, bet, best school I've been at, best strength and conditioning, in terms of uh, them supporting my program and, and giving me the resources I needed, There's a perfect situation. It couldn't have been any better. But, uh, you know, like I said, my kids were getting older, and, and part of the way they took care of me at the school was, uh, they kind of moved me into administration. And so, yeah, that was great in terms of uh, it helped them pay me more and kind of, you know, pay your worth or whatever, so to speak. But uh, it also, along with that, came, you know, going to games three, four nights a week and and doing admin duty at different tournaments and, and things like that. So that kind of pulled me away. Uh, and, you know, when your kids won – Two years old, you know they don't really, they don't really do a whole lot uh, in terms of for you to be involved with. But once they start getting like three, four, my son just turned five, you know there, there's a lot more for you to do to be involved. Uh, and so uh, paired that with, you know, dads ran the plumbing company for 27 years, and uh, there's some ways. Obviously, it's been a longstanding company, but I kind of saw some ways it could kind of maybe take a downturn if we didn't kind of innovate it and, and get it up to speed with the times. And I didn't want to see, you know, the company be sold or to like a private equity group or something outside. And then, you know, we got guys that have worked there. It's been in business 27 years. We got guys that have worked there 25 years. Uh, so I just kind of, you know, right pl- place, right time, uh, came on board the plumbing company and decided to, Transitioning out of strength and conditioning, and uh, I definitely miss the the team aspect, being around the kids, and and staying relevant, knowing you know what's going on in the world of high school athletics and high school kids. Uh, I miss that, and I miss the kids, uh, but I enjoy my time at home uh, with my kid a lot more. And you know, you wouldn't think. Basically, when I did strength and conditioning, it was I could never switch my brain off of it. Uh, you know, and then running a business, you probably shouldn't be able to, but it's like at the end of the day, I know that work's going to be there tomorrow and I can leave at five and I genuinely, uh, unless I get a phone call from a plumber on call or something, I I don't pick it up back up till seven o'clock the next morning. Uh, so kind of allows me to get away and, and kind of turn my brain off of it. Uh, I was worried at first, you know, cause I, I loved the strength conditioning field. I loved my job, uh, but I, I also love being able to be around my kids a lot more and, and uh make a little more money too so that that helps
0: yeah that, that that's that's an interesting point you make of like not being able to turn your your brain off with it because that, that's one of the things I noticed too and like for some reason doing the online and obviously there's a barrier to it but it's almost like when you have a product and that that's why it's interesting with with the plumbing that it, it doesn't bug you or doesn't like sit with your brain all day too because Plumbing is a product, but it's still like a person to person product. Whereas, like, doing the online programs, one of the things that has helped me is like giving me free time, obviously, because you're not in person, but also not having to spend all day like reminiscing over like a session or thinking about the session and still, still knowing you're doing good. You know, like, I still feel like that's a big part, still knowing you have an impact, still knowing you're doing something. Um, whereas, like, you said, sometimes with strength conditioning, like, it's such a peer to peer. Product that you're selling, you know, or product that you're working with, that it's, it, it's really hard to kind of get out of. And it, like that, that was the biggest thing I noticed in the college sector is, it wasn't even the, the hours on the floor. It was every single hour outside of the floor, and then feeling like I needed to be in my office for the kids and not not needing to be but also like kind of wanting to be and feeling like I but it felt like so much time outside of like the 40 hours or whatever you're doing put into it but again then it's like the strength conditioning world you're not rewarded for that 30 hours like that was a big thing for me too it's like something like the plumbing world or 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 a small business world you can have an innovation you can do something and that can give you x return or you can just get better at your job you can get better at your job. I can get better at the private sector of strength conditioning and I can get rewarded for it. And I can spend more time and the more time I spend, the better I'm going to get results. Whereas the college sector, it's not like that at all. And I'm assuming the high school sector is the same way, but it's not like you get better as a coach, you get more reward for as a coach or more compensated as a coach. And I've been thinking about that a lot with some coaches. It's like it either turns into they realize that and they leave the field or they realize that and stop, stop working on themselves because they know they're not going to be rewarded for it. Or the third pathway is they get super resentful over it and take it out on their athletes and like trying to find a better way, I think, and maybe you have a much better perspective of it looking out like a better way to, to compensate a better coach compared to like, or in a coach that's working on better than their product, like every other field gets incentivized to do versus our field.
1: Yeah. I think that's the problem with college and high school in general is that you can only take so much care, of your employees so to speak like you can only pay them x amount no matter if they produce more than the same employee that doesn't produce near as much and so there's not near as many avenues to kind of to pay and take care of your people I mean there is to a sense there's ways you can get creative like uh, you know say you're a high school administrator and you're trying to get your strength coach more money you know certain things you can do like you can get them a assistant sport coach stipend for each sport they work with. And so, you know, there's, there's kind of ways to do it, but eventually you kind of hit a cap with, with what you can do, you know, as a school or as a program as to where you, like you talked about in the private setting, I mean, you can essentially make it what you want. And if you put in 60 hours a week, you're going to be compensated for 60 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. So, um, and obviously, in the, on the business side of things, you know, if our guys work 50 hours, they're paid for 50 hours. It's not, uh, hey, I appreciate it, and I'm going to pay <laughs> the same as the guy that worked 40 hours, or they wouldn't be there. So, uh, they're, they're, in the private setting, there's a lot more ways to incentivize things. Uh, you know, some things we do, I, this ain't a plumbing podcast, but we're just talking kind of business and, and private sector here, like. Like if we need a guy to work a weekend, you know, time and a half should be what it is typically. But we usually pay our guys double time uh, plus the cash incentive, uh, just flat rate for coming in. So, like, like, like you said, uh, there's definitely risk involved in the private side of things. Uh, you know, like if I was a strength coach at the at a high school, i I know I'm getting my X amount of salary every year, no matter what. As to where, if I'm a strength coach running a private business, yeah, I may make be able to make a lot more, but I'm also risking a lot more. You know, I don't have that guarantee coming in. So there's pros and cons to, to both sides of it.
0: Is there, so I wasn't there for the rise of your Twitter page, but is that why you originally got on Twitter? Or how, how did that like, were, were you originally thinking about that going on Twitter? Or was it just totally out there, just throwing out thoughts out thought there?
1: I really don't know. It just kind of grew and I just, I, Obviously, when I worked at a school district, there's certain things I could share and couldn't share. Uh, Now I can kind of take that mask off. But, uh, you know, just being transparent about who you are and uh, I don't have to be some super serious guy. Uh, I don't have to have everybody think I'm some Billy badass, you know what I mean? Uh, I just kind of share life experiences and what's happened. And uh, I guess that just resonates with people when you're real about certain things and and open about things and you don't have to you know be super serious all the time and you can kind of take things lightly and even poke a little fun at yourself so
0: did, did you approach social media like did you try was your goal to like build a side business or side gig off of that or was it just you was it just literally just sharing thoughts and then like it just started and then it snowballed out of nowhere
1: yeah like basically that you know just kind of sharing thoughts and then got to thinking, you know, like I can kind of parlay these followers, so to speak, that are here already into, into, you know, some type of business with doing online training or online programs and stuff like that. And it just kind of grew from there. Uh, and I really, I thought once I got out, it would die off, but still kind of growing and maintaining a little bit and it helps keep me connected to the field. Uh, that way, if I ever get back in, then I won't be completely lost.
0: Yeah. Um. With with that, uh, the one of the things that I see on your Twitter page a lot is this uh, the cup fiasco. Um. And I've 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 been sitting. I've been laughing at it, and I feel like I know like ten percent of the story around it. So what, what what was the cup fiasco? What happened there?
1: When I train in the mornings, or like I go on a ruck or something, I listen to like all these podcasts and stuff. And I was listening to this. Uh, podcast about amazon resellers and and the way the guy spoke i mean he made it sound so simple basically he said he got on alibaba.com and bought like ten thousand pairs of barbecue gloves and then slapped some random logo on it made an amazon seller account and the next morning he woke up and all the damn barbecue gloves were sold and he was vacationing in tahiti So, I was like, this will be easy as hell. This sounds perfect. So, I get on Alibaba.com. I don't do barbecue gloves. He just said you got to do some type of tangible product. So, I was like, I say dues paid all the time. I'll get a red solo cup that's metal and I'll put dues paid on it. And then everybody will want one, you know, after they've like worked their ass off that day and want to mix a drink or something. So, I was like, oh, this will be perfect. You know, so I get on Alibaba.com, order like, I, I split it with my dad. I talked him into going in on it with me, uh, which he gives me hell about all the time now. But we split like $4,000 worth of dues paid cups from Alibaba.com. And a month later, they show up on a crate from China. Uh, and then I ship them to Amazon and make an Amazon listing. And I think, all right, we're live now. By the morning, I'll have all these cups sold. And I wake up the next morning and I sold like one. And then a month went by and I'd sold seven and I'd had to pay, you know, the $4,000 for cups. And then I'm like at $400 in Amazon fees already. And I've sold seven cups. So made the decision to, to pull the cups from, from Amazon and just take a loss. And now I got cups for the rest of my life and I've given them out at like seven different strength and conditioning clinics. I've given them out to all our plumbers at the office. Uh, Pretty much anywhere there's a large group of people, I'm giving out cups and been doing so for about two years now.
0: That's how you spread the brand right there. The second batch of dues Paid cups, bro, those are going to (laughs) go off the shelf because everybody's going to have the first batch. (laughs) uh, There ain't going to be a second one, that's for sure. Uh, What was the missing link? How did the barbecue gloves sell and not the dues Paid gloves? There
1: there's a lot more to it. The more I looked into it, you know, that's what that guy does for a business is resell things on Amazon, not try to like bootleg hustle things for a month real quick and hope it works out. You know, there's an algorithm to it and a lot more it's a lot harder than he made it sound on a podcast on a morning walk.
0: (laughs) He got you all motivated. It was all bullshit. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I told Dad, I was like, Dad, this is gonna be passive income. We ain't gonna have to do nothing. We just invest this and We'll get three times that amount back in, in a month. And no, it it, it didn't work that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh um the the only thing I've seen work like that was I had a buddy. He wants uh this is a random story, but he's he's kinda out there like total stoner dude, always out there. He's always texting me just random shit. And he goes like, Bro, buy GameStop. This randomly, like he, before it happened, he's like, bro, buy GameStop. And it was like at a dollar or something crazy at this time. Like, What are you talking about? He's like, bro, I just, I bought $2,000 with the GameStop stocks. Like I've been on this Reddit thing. It's going to blow up tomorrow. Do it. I'm like, you're an idiot, bro. Like, why are you buying GameStop? And he ended up making, I think he made like 20K off of it, off of GameStop when it went up. I was like, bro, that is the most BS thing ever. You were just randomly high on Reddit one night and you read this, bought a bunch of GameStop things and made ridiculous money. They they do
1: it. I went to school with a guy, high school. He was the same kind of guy, you know, kind of like a little stony, like kind of out there doing, doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> And uh, he sent me a Facebook message probably, I don't know, probably 12, 13 years ago. He was like, hey, I'm getting into this thing called Bitcoin, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, this guy, he's an idiot. He's chasing, he don't want to work. This ain't never going to work. And then now I see him, he's freaking living in California and multi-million dollar mansion. And uh, I was like, well, he he was right if I would only listen to him, but yeah one of those guys you should listen to there's a 100 you shouldn't
0: so i was gonna say of the thousand, and that like uh somebody was telling me because i was like oh man i should have listened to him he's like well yeah but if you had listened to him the 100 other times he told you to invest in something like you're probably just breaking even with that 20k that you made so yeah Uh, but yeah um let's bring it back to a little bit of the high school sector uh because i know that's something that's talked about like for a while it was kind of obviously like the the gold standard for the longest time was college sector and everybody was sold on the college sector and then now everybody's kind of realizing like it's kind of bs like it's not not super great like work-life balance not super good salary and then there's a huge rush to like the tactical sector um and now i'm kind of hearing the same thing from a couple of my buddies that are in the tactical sector and like leaving that they still say it's way better but there's a lot of like there's a lot of BS that you got to work with. And uh, that's probably every field, but they're like, it's not that much different than the college sector or it used to be. And now it's kind of just turning into the college sector because of how saturated it is. But what are kind of like the benefits to the the high school sector and, and like going there and working there? And it's something I've been actually interested in. It's definitely where I like, I want to end. Like, I think I want to go through the whole thing of the private sector and like do all that stuff and then kind of retire as a as a strength coach in the high school sector, just because I think it's a really, really cool environment. Obviously if you have really good high school too, that, that plays a big part of it too, but just working with my high school this past off season, just through our private programs, um, it's been really cool to work with that age kid and, and, and in the high school setting, but what was kind of your experience with the high school sector? How'd you get into the high school sector? What was kind of the journey there?
1: So I basically took the path that everybody in the South does. You, you, grow up playing sports and your football coach was your strength and conditioning coach and I didn't even know a strength and conditioning coach existed until essentially my first job uh you know I just thought it was you're a football coach and you train your team and you run the weight room and I didn't even know there was a whole thing you could do uh, aside from that and so uh when I went to Southside I was hired as a football coach and strength and conditioning coach for the football team. And uh, were you the
0: head football coach?
1: No, I was just an assistant. Okay. Uh, and then just kind of grew up from there and realized like, yeah, I, I like coaching football because it allows me to do what I love in strength and conditioning. Uh, and then, so just kind of approached them about uh, getting out of football and doing just strength conditioning. And they were super receptive and, and wanted to do it and sign off on it. And so, Uh, just kind of transitioned out of football and went to just strength and conditioning. Uh, You know, the pros about the high school side, you, and there's it's a con too, but looking back, it's more of a pro. I mean, you get to work with everybody. Uh, I worked with seventh through 12th grade and I worked with our top tier kids and I worked with our kids that couldn't count. Uh, So you get a little bit of everybody. So you get a lot of experience, you know, a, a year, at the high school setting is, could be comparable to, you know, three to four years in in another setting, just because of the wide array of kids uh, that you get, but you get to work with everybody, you know, that's a big pro. Uh, You get to, to tangibly see the difference that you impact your teams you work with, you know? So like uh, I think back to when I first got to Southside and, I'm not, you know, bashing anybody who did the program before. I'm just sharing the situation i walked into. And, you know, they were the strongest team in the conference, but they were also by far the slowest. Uh, So, you know, if somebody, I'm speaking football here, but if someone breaks, you know, one tackle and and gets into the secondary against you, well, they're gone. Uh, And then, so just kind of, I never got them obviously to the fastest team in the conference, but we went from being the slowest to maybe the second or third fastest and and you know you can kind of see that impact you have on the field and and or on the court or wherever it may be. so getting to see your impact is important, and also you know the you know people can say whatever and having passion and and doing something you love is important, but you have to be compensated for it. And the pay at the high school setting is is actually, you know, pretty good. Uh, The way it works, I don't – you know, it's different in different areas of the United States or whatever. But in Arkansas and Texas and Georgia and I'm not sure where else. But basically to coach, you you have – and this is a whole other thing we can get into uh, that college programs in terms of strength and conditioning, you know, in the education setting – they don't prepare you to be able to get a job in the high school setting, but we can get into that, uh, later. But, you know, in Arkansas and those other States, you have to be a certified teacher to be a coach. Uh, and so I got a degree in education and, and that's where a large amount of your pay can come from because you're paid as a teacher. And then you have your stipends and your extra contract days and all that, uh, added on uh, to your teacher pay. So that, you know, your teaching pay allows you to get a big bulk of your pay and then they can kind of add on to it. And you, you're not going to get rich in the high school setting, but you're also not going to be uh, eating ramen, you know, for a semester, shaking up smoothies. Uh, so you, you, can, you can live comfortably and, and, you know, you can make, I'd say, between 60 and 70 at most places and 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 have a good, comfortable salary compared to to a lot of other places. So the, the pay is good. Uh, You know, negatives I'd say a lot of places at the high school setting, they are never going to have had a strength coach before. And so that can create a lot of problems with coaches trusting you uh, with their teams. Cause at the end of the day, you know, they feel like they need to control every aspect of their team a lot of times. And, and so that can be kind of hard to get them to relinquish some of that duty, but, you know, just, I just always approach it as I, I want to be an extension of you and that kid that's on your team that maybe you can't reach with how you do things. Maybe I can reach them for you. And uh, and so just try to be an extension of the head coach you work with. And, and eventually, you know, you'll get more teams and more kids and more programs on board. Uh, and the ones that don't want to work with you early on. Uh, I mean, don't be resentful against them. Don't, trash them just that's their coach's decision and uh they'll probably change their mind later and when they do welcome them with open arms and, and go on and be glad they're a part of the program so
0: well i think it was you that i think it was you that i saw this from but it was like one of the biggest or best things about the high school sector too is that the coach is your peer not your boss right like like i think that that you said that and i, I had never really thought of it that way but i'm like that has to just be such a better relationship Cause everybody can just like, you're all teachers. Like it's like that you're on the same level and you're working towards something together rather than working for somebody and having like, having to almost compromise what you're doing for what they're doing. Cause you're not equal in the college sector.
1: You work with your coaches, not for your coaches. And I think that's probably looking at it besides the stability aspect. One of the best things about the high school setting, um, uh, just, you know, you're essentially the head coach of all these different sports in their training uh, rather than being the head coach of that sport on the field or on the court or whatever. So um, I think being able to work with your your coaches is important. And also, you know, another part of it is kind of being a, a mouthpiece for the athletes to their coach. Like, you know, if you – if I'm training team A and I hear, you know, you're going to get complaints about kids from their coaches or about their coaches, whatever, and you may get a 100 of them and there are 100 different things. But if I'm training team A and I hear the same thing from, say, 20 different kids, then, you know, you can go to that coach and be like, hey, you know, I've been working with the team and, and this is what, you know, they all their low backs seem to be tighter. or they're all pissed off about having this tournament the day after homecoming or, you know, things like that. And you can kind of be the voice of reason for your athletes, but then also, you know, on the flip side of it, you can be the voice for the coach and kind of be like, well, Hey, this is, this is what their plan is. And, and you can kind of just, you're essentially a, an assistant head coach of every sport you work with.
0: What's the, what, how did it work at, so in our high school, when growing up and our strength conditioning program was one of the best I've seen for high school, it was pretty impressive. Uh, it's fallen off a little bit recently, but uh, growing up, we had a we had a coach that was from a college, good college, like built out a really good strength program, but he was like, he would run the strength sessions during the day as like a class. Is that how that worked for you?
1: I have athletic periods uh, is what it's called. And so like where I was at first period was junior high athletics. So that's eighth and ninth grade. And then second period is just a regular class. And then third period is seventh grade athletics. So you have all your seventh graders. Then fourth period is a regular class period. And then fifth period is senior high athletics. So we had ten through 12th grade, uh, fifth period, and senior high athletics.
0: All, all in the way at once?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, we were already, a four, how many kids is that? It's about 50 to 60, okay. typically. Uh, we're, we're a smaller school. Uh, we were 4A, so... Numbers weren't ever really an issue. And the way we did it is, like, I'd be with in-season teams three days or in-season teams two days a week and off-season teams three days a week. And so just kind of alternate. And it was a logistical nightmare, but we got through it. And it when I switched to doing all sports, it became more of like a director role in terms of, all right, I'm going to program for these teams, and this coach is going to implement it. With say seventh grade volleyball, or this coach is going to implement it with say junior high basketball, uh, and you can kind of transition in more of a director role, and then you have your primary teams that
0: you still work directly with. And during that is like is the only thing when you say they're they're with you three days a week or two days a week, what do they do during the other days a week?
1: They're they're that's like their sport period. So they'll be at if they're a volleyball athlete, they'll be at volleyball practice. The oh, they do that during you. the day. Yeah. yeah okay yeah.
0: that's different okay i haven't I haven't seen heard of that so and then after school there's just nothing usually like if it's
1: senior high they'll come senior high their athletic period is the last period of the day okay and so they'll lift and then go to their practice that continues
0: on after school gotcha 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 cool that, that, that's a pretty sweet setup i haven't heard of that one yet
1: but it'll it allows you like on like thursdays you know uh if you start athletics at one thirty and your team's not lifting that day, well, you can get your whole practice done by the time the the bell rings, you know, at three fifteen.
0: So, I was gonna say that's what well, it seems like. It's a way way better condensed schedule for the athletes rather than like I, we would go probably till six six seven. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it allows you as a coach to essentially be home, you know, every day every, around five or so uh, if you don't have to do
0: a bunch of other duties or drive a bus stuff like that. Yeah, (laughs) I know you said that uh, uh, you miss a lot of it, but having the outside perspective has to be nice. And just and I just remember leaving the college sector and like, I know I had thoughts like when I was in the college sector and like thought about things, thought about things that would change, but I never really got the full like, oh, this is what I would change. This is what I would do. This is my ideas on it until I left full time in the private sector. So like, have you had any uh, any moments and just ideas Sense leaving that you're like oh this is this is a uh, this is my outside perspective on things now looking in that i wish it would have done differently or i wish was set up differently not necessarily you but something that could be set up differently in the in the field
1: yeah uh you know and this is speaking to my exact particular situation you know and schedule so it could be different for somebody else but you know there's essentially in my day anyways where i had to go there's three hours, three and a half hours where I had to go monitor a PE class or do lunchroom duty and make sure kids weren't fighting or you know, basically this fill time for me to get my teaching salary. But, you know, then again I would be asked to cover a game till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, if it's an away game. And so, you know, I think one thing you could do with your coaches if you're an administrator is like instead of filling those three hours, they're getting six on the back end having to go cover a game. So let them go home for three hours. You know, I mean, it, it shouldn't be something where you're, you're babysat. But I think a lot of it is because if they, if I'm a principal and I let the strength coach go home for three hours during the day, then I'm going to have 17 teachers complaining that they get to go home during the day. and And I don't as a teacher. But what the teachers don't see on the flip side of that is, you're getting home at 11 o'clock that night when they were home at, at five o'clock. So, you know, I think in education in general, I think administration could do a better job. And I'm not speaking about mine. Like I said, they had my back more than anybody. Uh, but I think as a whole, I think they can do a better job, maybe having their employees' backs and and maybe setting schedules differently per department uh, and, and, you know, making – the other departments understand that, hey, they're still getting just as much time as you, if not more. Uh, That's one thing, you know, I think could be done a little bit differently. Uh, And then uh, I I think as if you want to grow your entire school district athletic program, I think mandating as a school that, hey, as a school, we train two days a week in season. We train three days a week in off season you organize whatever the heck you want out of that but that is mandatory and that has to be done uh i think that can pay huge dividends and, and it's something i'm seeing more schools do uh instead of just hey we're hiring a strength coach and it's on them to build the program with whoever wants to join i think if you mandate it as a district uh you can grow that program a lot faster than doing it kind of you know holistically
0: well, one of the, the points that you made there is like when you leave, like I thought that was a, one of the funniest and biggest flaws in the college system is like we would work like we would have sessions in the strength coach from like 6 a.m. until basically practice at 3 p.m., like straight through, like split up the groups um, and then they would want you to do practice or stuff after practice or like a sport coach would complain if you weren't at a certain practice or go, I was like we have like you guys have practiced from three to five like we've had session like we've had coaching sessions all the way up and then like so it's just funny like when they don't see see you work and then you have programming and everything on top of that too but it's like when they don't physically see it and it's or it's not they don't physically see it when they're doing it they they can't negate to like it's almost like they can't just watch their own bobber but it's like it's like the amount of coaching sessions we had today compared to you guys is it's ridiculous and then, and then yeah you guys to complain on that and it's funny
1: and on your side like as a, the coach you're like as a coach i would never wonder what the teachers were doing i just know they're doing <laughs> their job and i don't <laughs> care how they do it or when they get to go home and i'm gonna do mine and i prefer they do the same towards me but you know it doesn't i guess it doesn't work that way because everybody wants to have a say in everybody
0: else's business so to speak yeah that's a good point too it's like yeah the strength coach would never look at like well are you guys game planning during that time like it's like (laughs) what you? yeah just trust like are we winning games on saturday okay then then we should be set we should be good to go here
1: desk guard and and be there just to be there you
0: know yeah the yeah and that's kind of like the that that yeah that's that's one of the things again i like really like about the Again, like the private sector is like it seems just to be so incentivized in a better way because it's like uh, if you, if your product just sucks in if your product sucks in the private sector you're not going to get paid so you have to like it forces you to get better whereas your product sucks in the college sector but you're taking care of the small things and you're making a coach happy it doesn't matter you know like that that, that was one of the biggest frustration pieces i had with the college sector it's like it did not matter how good or bad my program was like it could have been the worst program in the world it could have been the best program in the world it did not matter the results I was getting the numbers I was showing it probably honestly didn't even matter like injuries wise like the college I was at it didn't matter like if I we had a huge injury list or a small all that mattered was did I make administration happy and did I make the coaches happy by saying what I was supposed to say at these certain meetings and like when I saw that when I red-pilled myself that way I was like this is so depressing like I worked so long on this program. And obviously, like i I was in it way too deep too, like worried about things I shouldn't have been worried about at the time. But it's like, you spent so long on the program, you spent so long building up relationships with athletes and making sure they have a good and enjoyable environment. And that like, we're getting good numbers and the force plates are reading well and we're running fast. And then you realize like, none of that matters. You just have to kiss the right person's ass in this setting. And that when I, when I realized that I was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to go, I got to do do something else where it matters.
1: No, you made a good point, especially early on. Like you can get so lost in every single aspect of programming that that it almost paralyzes you you know Uh, and I think getting out I've been able to condense you know programming recommendations by 90 percent like our basketball coach that I worked with at Southside the other day he's like hey uh, what's an idea you got you know for an in-season program for us Uh, we're gonna be playing you know three to four games a week yada 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 and you know, used to I'd have had to sit down, and put pen on paper, and, <laughs> and and plan it all out, plan out every aspect, and and all that. But I just shot him a text message in like two minutes. You know, I was like, well, first thing I do is I do if you're playing three to four games a week, I try to get two lifts a week. I do total body uh, each time. I do one push, one pull, you know, one squat, one type of. Stretch mobility movement and one dynamic movement. And I gave him a list of each and, uh, you know, in three minutes. And then there's now he's got a program to run in season as to where, you know, and I'm not making light. It's, it's, there's a science to it. But when you kind of get out and, and you're able to kind of look at it from a overhead view, you know, it's a, it, we can make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be as coaches a lot of times.
0: Well, this is something that I've been on, like been thinking about too. It's like, you're living in real life. So you're able to give just a real life program. You know, like, I feel like so many times as strength coaches, we're not living in real life. Like we we bring real life into this like system. And then we live in this system that we fucking created, but it's not real life. Like it's this system. And like, there's so many good things about systems. It, It simplifies real life. It makes things beautiful. It makes us understand it. But at some point you have to go from the system back out to real life with your deeper understanding of it and that's what I feel like the COVID was a really big point leaving the college sector was a really good point to where I, like I felt like I finally left the box of the system and and still like again there's a the science that there's everything you can learn but now I can actually apply that to real life and understand oh like some of this stuff we're talking about isn't real. Like the arguments we're having, they're not real arguments. We're just, we're just all trapped in the same box and we're trying to one up each other in the, but it's an imaginary box. And none of us are willing to admit that it's this imaginary box to hear. And to hear that, like going back to real life, got you into real life. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of funny. Like, uh, I just feel like so many coaches, but I don't, I, you know, I don't really know how to get a coach again, to leave a box when, when every single day you show up and you're, you're in the box.
1: Well, I, you made some good points there with real life and and being in a box you know as strength coaches. I think the number one of the biggest things you can do to kind of grow your understanding of how to train teams is is understand that they don't speaking generally, they don't care or like training half as much as you do for the most part. 95 percent of your kids, don't care or like training near as much as you do. Now you have 5% and they may love it and be interested in every little intricate detail of it. Uh, But the majority of your kids, they're sometimes they're just there because coach told them they had to be there or they're just there because their mom and dad told them they need to be there. And uh, I think if you can kind of realize that as a coach, you can kind of grow in terms of how you try to resonate and how you try to build relationships with those kids. Uh, and that can kind of help you but also you know in terms of being in the box understand that they're living life I'm talking high school college here more than anything but like if they're dragging ass on a Friday they may have went out Thursday night and threw down made poor decisions and and you know did those type of things so understand like you know I've had conversations with Older kids who had been in the program are like, Coach, I ain't, I ain't feeling it today. I, I went out last night, did some stuff I shouldn't have. Yada yada yada. I'm like, All right, well, I'm gonna give you this morning, take off, dip out. But then, I want these next sessions. I want your ass bought in and and doing what needs to be done. And I'm gonna, I'll give you today, and then you're gonna give me, you know, on the back end five good sessions before we have to do this again. So, uh, you can kind of flip how you. Uh, build relationships with kids once you realize or, or athletes, once you realize they don't live and look through the same lens of training as you do you know so
0: well on on that the the real life example like the every every programming thing in the world tells you like monday tuesday or like high low off high low off like this type of program like we had to switch through monday through thursday because every time we had a friday session our rugby guys just showed up fucking blacked out we're like i'm like god dang it dude they would have a rugby match on thursday and they would have like the rugby tradition is like you drink with the other team so they had the social i'm like bro we can't have friday sessions anymore you guys are all showing up hammered or hungover i'm like so, like, the real-life example, like, we're cutting Friday sessions. We're going Monday through Thursday, straight through. I don't care if it's high-high. Like, you're doing it because you guys suck on Fridays. And I think as
1: coaches, we inflate and have a almost a delirious view of how we were sometimes as athletes. You know, we we act – in a lot of coaches, you know, you were probably the most bought-in athlete, and, that, and that's great. But I look back and, you know – my time playing in college and whatnot, and I probably wasn't the most bought-in guy on the team, you know. Hell, it's my 21st birthday, and I'd been starting for, like, three years, and I'd text my coach. I was like, I'm not coming to practice tomorrow. It's my 21st birthday. I, I won't be there. And he's like, what the fuck do you mean you won't be there, you know? Like, the team's counting. on It wasn't in season. It was off season. He's like, well, your whole position group's going to run. And I just text my buddy, and I was like, hey, get your running shoes on because I'm not going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> and so, you know, as a coach, I I run into those type of kids, you know, and then you can kind of, if you can get out of, we got to do everything perfect all the time and, and get into the real world where they make poor decisions, you can help reel them in, you know, without living in that Disney fantasy land world where, Every kid that walks through the door is the most bought in and every kid that walks through the door makes the best decisions for the team when we're managing people and and people make poor decisions. It doesn't matter if they're an athlete. It doesn't matter if they're an employee. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, whatever. People make poor decisions at times and the best we can corral those poor decisions and keep good people who make a
0: poor decision every now and then, it's important. And one of the things, too, that I think is important to mention, like making like it's not really it's not like this compromise where you like, oh, I have to do this, but I have to compromise my program because my athletes aren't showing like it's not like like once I started to accept this and just like live in the real life with my athletes, like your program is so much better. You get better results, like at least we did, like because it frees you up to like not focus on the BS. So then you're focusing only on things that matter uh, with your athletes that are in front of you. Um, and I, I just think sometimes like coaches will hear that, especially like me. Ed, and, and I, I think back to like myself listening, like if I was a young strength coach, like, well, yeah, but our whole job as a coach is to like, like will them into like being that athlete and doing that. And like, as soon as I was able to leave that thought process and understand I'm not compromising, I'm just actually living in real life and working like the program became so much better i got better results with it um and if, if your job is to actually get results and that's that's what you say you're a science driven person like then you have all these numbers and all these metrics like then you should do things that get you those numbers rather than again again the the fairy tale because you want it that way and i, I think so much of it is just the ego of a coach it's like yeah. it's really 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 hard to find value in it, like when you want to take teaching pe which is what we do like we teach pe we teach movement like but you want to you want to glorify it and like have this coach athlete hierarchy that we're weirdly creating and like pretending like we're the president of something weird like this power grab that we have uh it, it's really hard to like give up that control but once you do and you're just you have that coach athlete relationship and you're going back and forth with them and and you have more of a balanced program uh the, the results are kind of crazy and like you said like the, you give that athlete the one day off the next four sessions that athlete is going to be bought into exactly what you're doing. And now you got four good sessions out of them rather than forcing them through one shitty one. And then the next four are also shitty. Resentful towards it, you know? So
1: I think you, you got to meet them where they're at and also understand that like everybody's bought in looks different. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, if, if I got the kid, that's a little bit of a prima Donna and, and needs kind of a pat on the back, and every now and then, then then I'll give them that. I'll meet them where they're at, and their bought-in may look different than the kid who's like, you know, the, the try-hard who does everything right, and you you have to have those kids too. Uh, but a team is – it's a collection of, you know, all these different attitudes and all these different athletic attributes and all these different abilities, and, and I think meeting them where they're at, you know, can – and really help grow the program i think back hell i go to fish camp with the guy now he's grown uh, but i had a kid like six or seven years ago and it was in duck season and duck season in arkansas is a big deal uh and he said hey coach i won't be at lifting today uh i'm gonna get my lift in at lunch if you want to meet me in the weight room I'm, I'm going duck hunting i got in at this duck lease and it's, it's a once a year deal and i just won't be at workouts and at first i was thinking no, he's going to be at workouts. He's going to skip the duck hunt. And, and I, I'm not going to meet him at lunch. And I basically told him that. And he's like, okay, well, I'll just see you tomorrow. Then I won't be there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: look back and thinking like, bottom line is I needed him to get his lift. He was willing to get his lift. He just wanted to get it at a different time. He wanted to lift at 12 instead of one thirty. And like, I should have just let him lift at 12 and not one thirty. Uh So, and we would got the objective accomplished. But, you know, I think like you said, as a coach, you can let your ego drive a lot of decisions negatively, not just positively. Uh, you know, I think as coaches, we set the super high standard and, and that's great. You have to have high standards in your program, but how you get each kid to their high standard may may look differently.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's the point, too. Like, I really like what you were saying. Like, obj- the objective was to get the lift. The objective is to get the high standard. Like, go get the objective. Don't get the don't get lost in the method of how you get that objective. Because like you said, like, prima Donnas are just like, there's so many kids, there's so many different personalities, especially in a high school or a college where you're working with so many different kids. It's like, but if you if you just know any psychology or just spend any time with humans, like it's it's not easy, but it like you can get an athlete super you can get them to the objective if you just have the conversation and understand what motivates them and like what like this guy needs to be yelled at this guy likes the science behind it this guy you just need to joke around with and tell him like all right we just got to get through this session like then it's so easy to do if you just do it but like yeah so unwilling to actually keep the that objective the objective and we get lost in the methods of how we do it
1: No, I th- I, I think you're right and in- At the end of the day, the goal is – or my – your goal as a strength coach is to better the athlete and better the team that you're handing over to the sport coach. And so I think you need to have as many avenues as possible to do that instead of just having, you know, one set rigorous way of this is how we do it, this is our system. I, I think throwing a bunch of different lines out, you're going to pick up a lot more kids than you are if you just, you know, approach everybody the same
0: exact way. Mm, good fishing analogy. I like that. <laughs> uh, so one of the things, going private sector a little bit, there is a lot of, like, uh, I'd say, we we have college and high school coaches listening to and athletes, but a lot of the coaches that listen are private sector. Um, and one of the things, like, I, I wouldn't say strength conditioning coaches are known for to be great businessmen. Um, and I think, again, we apply, like, the college system the college box of business into the real life of business and i think one of the cool things is like you're running an actual business not not that private sector coaches aren't we're not we're not running an actual we are running an actual business but like plumbing you have to treat it like an actual business you're working on things and i feel like having that outside perspective and taking a step out of strength conditioning so are there any lessons you've learned for the private sector just being in the in the plumbing business now and things that you think private sector coaches could like be okay. Like we should be paying attention to these things, looking at these things.
1: A lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really the same, so to speak. They're just, they just kind of look different. Uh, So I, you know, think as a strength coach, you have problem athletes sometimes that are big producers on the field or the court, wherever, whatever sport you work with. And and you got to kind of essentially deal with some of their negatives it's the same thing in the business side except of an athlete you may have a problem customer but that same customer you know you may look in the file in over 27 years you've done 470 jobs with that customer so you think you know who's this guy think he is or who's this lady think she is and and they're always complaining and and this and the other i'm just going to tell them to kick rocks but then you pull up the damn file and you've done a lot of business with them over the years. So it, it's really, a lot of it's the same. You know, you just kind of find ways to work with people and, and ways to tolerate uh, negatives that some people may bring to the table. Uh, and, and a lot of it, you know, it's, and again, on the science side of things, you you make data-informed decisions just like you do in the, the strength and conditioning field. So, uh, you know, I really think One could help you prepare for the other. Uh, If I'd have done business first, I think there's things I could have took from it in strength and conditioning. And if I obviously I did strength and conditioning first and then got into business and and realized there's things I can take from strength and conditioning into business. So, uh, you know, it's all relatable. And one thing I would say on the private side, strength and conditioning, not not just business business, but is like especially remote programming, is understand that team or that client you're handing the program over to is not going to run it in the manner that you would if you were there coaching it. And I think that is the hardest thing to do and grasp in remote programming. Uh, you need to make it where someone else can can implement it. Uh, I think when I started working with, you know, some college teams remotely, that was probably my biggest flaw was creating the program like I was going to be there training that team uh, and and not making it something that, hey, this sport coach who doesn't necessarily love training and doesn't have an understanding of training, uh, not making it something they could understand, you know, a lot more
0: easily. But it's honestly, it honestly will blow your mind sometimes. I, when mean, The amount of times I've gone and watched like a session that like, there's video links for everything. There's descriptions for everything. I like reach up, like, all right, let me know how the session went. Like, if you have any questions on anything, like, no, everything's going great. Now I go watch a session. I'm like, this is not at all what was like written on the board. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Like, how did it end up looking like this? Like, that was the funniest. Like, it's such like a game of telephone. That's what I realized with a lot of, um, and as long as, again, as long as you keep the objective, it's like I don't get lost in, like, the methods. As long as we're not being stupid or totally losing everything. But that was such an eye-opening moment is, like, going to go watch some of these um, remote-programmed teams that we were doing. Teams, for for some reason, are notorious. A lot of times when it's the individual, like, we, we have a big, like, um, app. So, like, the individuals, they, they've been pretty good about running it, like, pretty specifically. But a lot of times with the teams, because there's so many people, and like you said, it's a sport coach that not really... That that's why they're hiring somebody else to like program it and do it for them. But I get there, I was like, oh, "This is the biggest game of telephone ever!" Like it said this, and by the time I got to you, it's looking like this. It's it's pretty funny, but yeah, that is that is a pretty uh pretty eye opening experience when you're going through. Um, and then I'll like that's what I, I was like talking to one of the teams was like. Like oh like if if this not like we'll simplify all of it it's like no no we like the like we like uh like all the fun games and the things like yeah but we're not doing any of it like the coach is just like looking at it like what are we doing here this is goofy
1: yeah you, you that's the number one thing you run into is it's not done in the manner you would but it doesn't it doesn't have to be that's not what they're they're not signing up for you to coach their team in person they're signing up for you to provide them a program and and i think you know on the private remote side of things the more you can kind of tailor your programs with that understanding the better off you're going to be uh and and the better off you'll be able to you know serve your clients
0: well that that's a crazy thing too is like i work with two schools that have a good coach like i know the coach is good um and basically like with their high schoolers like all they needed to do is like attach a name or a brand to their to their program and they're basically paying me to attach a brand to it to a name and like i'm still programming and doing it but i'm like that coach could absolutely do exactly what i'm doing and i was like i thought that was a like interesting business point um and just something that i've I, i've noticed recently of like it's not even the product. It's almost like the the, the brand behind the or the excitement behind the product to get the, the kids to show up and do it when it yeah. is not like a mandatory program.
1: I think like you said, having, you know, whatever coach you were talking about, being an awesome elite coach, no matter what, there's going to be kids that kind of, that are in that program and essentially kind of take them for granted. It's almost like, it's like, as a parent, I can tell my kid to like. I, I think the T-ball we did T-ball this past year, and I'm out there telling my son, you know, do exactly this, do exactly this, and, and then the other guy, the other coach, tells him to do it, and he does it perfect. And it's like, well, it's because someone else, you know, implemented it. But that, and it's the same kind of aspect. If you're a kid and you've seen this coach for ten years, and you're like, oh well, yeah, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Yada 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 but now he's running your program, you know? And so I'm going to listen to this other guy that coach is getting this program from, you uh, know, uh, the same thing in, in parenting. I'm beginning to learn. So.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, it's like the typical, um, I uh, tale as old as time, like the strength coach's wife, not do like they'll run any program, but the, but the, the person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: We do Peloton super calorie 3000 burn, uh, <laughs> in front of the screen with, Five pound dumbbells and and hey i used to get mad about it but if if that's what you know she wants to do then i'm gonna not belittle it and i'm gonna gas her up about it but yeah yeah it's the same exact concept
0: uh so i you, you obviously have like an entrepreneur kind of i don't know about itch or i don't know about the best 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 word for it but with, with, with the like cups are there anything else that you're you're looking to like kind of pursue in that in that realm or are you kind of are you kind of did you get the itch with the with the cops are you kind of burnt out from that or is there any other things that you're pursuing with that
1: i just we've got a good business model and i want to see how i can kind of grow uh the actual business business instead of entering off into the different kind of passive income side hustles Uh, i'd rather just try try to focus you know on on the business model that's already successful and and kind of see you know how we can grow it you know i think like uh a lot, a lot of ideas and stuff you can get in business genuinely come to you from people you can't serve. And so what I mean by that is like we get calls all the time about people wanting a refrigerator repaired or, or they just don't know who to call, you know, for this service. And it's like, well, we don't do that. And then eventually I took about 50 phone calls of that. And it's like, well, shit, why don't we start doing that? You know, let's let's look into that. And so, you know, kind of looking into that avenue, appliance repair, and it's just from, it came from customers I couldn't serve. Uh, And then, you know, there's probably four or five different things that have kind of came about that way uh, that have kind of, you know, led to entrepreneurial type ideas in terms of growing growing the business. And that's kind of made it where I don't necessarily have to come up with another cut ruse.
0: No, but that, that that's kind of where I was going with that, like the idea wise, because that's 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 how we created our online like insider app. Like I was very set when I started the business of never doing online stuff. Like I thought for some reason it was the dumbest thing ever, like it was scammy, it was hacky. And then the same thing is like I uh, I trained in like one area and then I got a college job in a different area. So I moved and all the athletes were like, well, can you train me? Can I do? It? I was like, no, I don't do online. No, I do. And then like by the time I was like, why? Why do I not like if I would have just said yes to these people and built out something for them, like I'd be making more money than what I'm yeah. making, like, what am I doing? Um, And I was like, and they started doing that. And then uh, like, well, can you add videos to it? Or like, can I do this? And like, yeah, like you said, there, there's so many good points that kind of organically come through the things you can't currently do and building it out. Um, I think that's I, I think it's Tim Ferriss. Somebody talked about like a lot of people will say like basically like they'll say they'll buy your book type thing. But like, don't believe anybody until like they're actually ready to per like they're ready to purchase it and put money in your hands and do it. So it's like they'll hype you up on any idea, but like until they actually ask for that or they come up almost with it, like they come up with the idea themselves or they try to pay you themselves, like don't really pay attention to that data point. So th- there's been a lot of ideas where I've came up with I thought there were great ideas and like market wise they don't do good, and then there's a lot of ideas I I'd never thought of, and but it just continually kept coming to me. And those are always the best ones, like best ones sales wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you said, the the good ideas will come to you in on the online thing, on the strength and conditioning and and training teams online. Another huge perk of it is there's there's limited overhead. You know, you think getting into the private sector, like the ultimate goal is you know have this super fancy multi million dollar facility, and, and that's awesome. You know, if you if you can. If you can do that. But on the flip side of that, what you don't see is yeah, I got a super fancy multi million dollar facility. So I have to make multi million dollars before I even make a a dollar. Uh, As to where online, you know, yeah, you got to buy a computer, you know, maybe a camera, some stuff. But the the overhead is not near uh, as much in terms of before you can turn a profit. Uh, and uh, honestly, you can reach a hell of a lot more people too online because you're not, like you said earlier, you're not tied to a geographic area. You can coach kids from Utah and be in Ohio. You can coach kids from California and be in Maine, you know, uh, I think online opens up a lot of a lot more avenues than kind of a, a brick and mortar, you know type location, which th- those are great too. Uh, but I think. It's a lot less risky doing stuff online. And, you know, one thing I was always taught uh, was like, don't let your passion dictate your finances. And, and, you know, so to speak, what I mean by that is a lot of people have these great, passionate ideas that they think would make a great business. And and a lot of times there's, there's not a market for it or there's not a market for it. You know in that area and, and you can be super passionate about it but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be economically feasible and beneficial for you
0: yeah yeah that, that, that's really good um any other of those ideas that you've been working with like to grow because you, you keep talking about wanting to grow the plumbing business and it's like you you i think one of the nice things too is like you you said you have a very good like foundational piece to the plumbing business so it's like it's not all falling apart so you have it's almost room like like a good athlete at practice, like the best athletes at practice, they get better at practice because they're allowed to play at practice because then they know they're not going to lose their starting job. Like they're, they're kind of set um, and they can do some Patrick Mahomes type throws at practice. Maybe something clicks or they, they just have way more freedom. I feel like you get to a point like that with business and then it's not that it's play, but like you can explore things that'll give you that exponential growth. Are there any things like that, have, that have popped up for you and uh, like thoughts you're working on?
1: Yeah, just trying to, and this goes back to being in the box all the time, like, I think back probably, I started, I've always kind of been around the the plumbing business, even when I was doing strength and conditioning, just kind of being around dad and whatnot, but I really started kind of looking at, at the model and how, how they did things, and like, so we're in a town, it's called Batesville, uh, but there's all these other different towns, you know, around it. And Batesville's kind of the hub, but the way they would do it before is that the plumbers get there at seven in the morning and the manager gives them, you know, two tickets, two paper tickets, and they go to the call. They do those two calls and they come all the way back to the office. It doesn't matter if they were, you know, 30 minutes out, they come back to the office, they get two more tickets. They go do their calls. They come back to the office. And I was like, I was thinking like, well, we could just keep them in the field, you know, and what's a way to just keep them in the field. And I started looking and of course found the software. Uh, and now we use a dispatch and billing software where the plumber, they get their iPad each morning instead of getting two handwritten paper tickets. And on their iPad is their six, seven calls for the day. And I know if this plumber's in this geographic area, then I'm going to, dispatch him the six calls that are in in that area the and so just kind of finding innovative ways to to do things that you're already doing can help grow your business uh you know and now plumbers instead of driving 15 minutes back to and wasting 15 minutes of gas you know seven times a day they can just stay in the field and go to their next call and now you're you know you're being more profitable just by being innovative but i don't think i think being able to not be in that box all day allows you to kind of see those changes that you can make and see, uh, you know, different ways to do things that instead of doing it, you know, how you've always done it. But I think if you're constantly focused working in the box, then you, you, you know, to me that was simple, but, uh, my dad was like, Oh, I, I, that, that won't work. I, we've never done it that way. And then now it's like, Oh, Holy shit. That worked. It's like, yeah. But I was able to see that because I'm not behind a desk every day, you know, working within the business. It was easy for me to see. And and I think you could do that with any field. Basically, bring someone in that knows nothing about your field or knows nothing about what you're doing and take a suggestion from them or have them give a suggestion. And you'll see that, like, there's you're going to get some good, innovative ideas of how you can do what you're already doing. Even if they don't necessarily you know know a lot about what you're doing, they just may know systems better than you or or they're able to see a way to you know do things better. So I think being able to innovate what you're already doing uh, you know can help grow a lot of avenues of business for you.
0: So you're shooting fifty percent on good ideas to your dad? Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> you know, or, one bad one, good that's good. but no I, I like this like drawing the parallels too because one of the things I was thinking about. You had that outside idea, but then you also went through the process of fixing something apparently small that somebody might not even even have seen a problem in, but it's just a little hiccup. And you went through the pain in the ass process of fixing a little hiccup for the exponential like long-term time-saving opportunity. It saves you on the back end. And that is something that I've noticed recently, like just a ton. And I think Naval talks about it a lot, but basically like as much as you can clean up and build out on the front end that will save you let's say it's five minutes as small it is, is is but if you're doing that five minute task 30 times a day like how much time you yeah. save over a week and like setting up the app has been something big like i just we just had a big um big update on our website for things like that were seemingly small but like as we start to scale and start to do things on the app i was like there's no there's no this isn't scalable like th- this is a total hiccup in like our system and spending the 5k to go fix it in the software and going through and now it's like one click of a button instead of five minutes of work. And I was like that 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 stuff like I geek out on that stuff like finding flaws in the system and, and building that out. Um, and again, I, re- I really like that thought process too of like having somebody else look at your system. Um, because again, like when you're in it, like I guarantee there's somebody, if somebody looks at my system, like, and I'm just so like repeatedly and non process, and it's easy for me right now too, which is another piece of it. Like it's, it it's like when you, the plumber show up every morning, I, I click a button on this computer. So it's like kind of set up in that system. You don't even think about it, but having that outside perspective and having somebody look at your systems for you and just being able to listen to them, I think could be really, really, really beneficial for a lot, especially strength conditioning programs, because we are. Like our methods, everything is so boxed up in like our thing. And we're not business people on the on the not fully business people anyway. So I really like that idea.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's important to catch yourself like you need to catch yourself not being innovative. Like I said, so, you know, that that idea came to me easy, but I've realized like the more I'm in the office for an extended period of time, you know, months on end, like you don't get near as innovative and then you go on a four-day fishing trip and you're thinking about this is, we've been messing this up for months like how the hell can we fix that and then it just comes to you like uh one thing we needed and it, i didn't come up with it or our secretary did but we were hammering our guy's ass about not putting uh smith plumbing stickers on the water heaters you know because customers are programmed like the water heater that we installed goes out and there's not a sticker on it they're just going to google plumber but if there's a sticker on it that says for service call smith plumbing well they're going to call smith plumbing when they have an issue and but none of our guys were getting it and we were in the office and i i was complaining dad was complaining our manager was complaining like i don't understand why the hell the guys won't just put them on there and then our secretary she was just like just real calm and collected she said well why don't y'all just put the stickers on them as they come in And it was like, that's perfect. Like, why the hell have we not thought of that? But it takes someone, you know, not directly involved in what you're doing every day to to kind of see those innovative ideas. And, And that seems like something small. But, you know, if you install 300 water heaters a year and you miss 300 stickers, well, you know, you may lose a good percentage of those return customers as to where... If you put a sticker on everyone, you're going to get damn near everyone.
0: So, yeah that, that that's good. I I like that a lot. And then, like you were saying the 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 well that this is kind of a weird weird tie together, but that's been something I've been thinking about with social media content too, and something that I've been talking about, um, is like the repurposing of content too, because it's same as the sticker. Like the sticker, people are programmed just like what they see is what they buy, um, and what I realize is like a lot of coaches, it's like the the platform they're on. They put their content on the platform they're on and then leave all other platforms because they're, what, they're probably not good at them. They don't have a following there. It's a lot of like, it's work, whatever. Um, and one of the things that I've just recently been doing this past year is I just repost uh, and like I'll make other content like specifically for Twitter sometimes, specifically for uh, TikTok sometimes, but most of it's just repurpose content from Instagram. Like, so I'll make the the big piece of content and repurpose it to Instagram and, uh, and uh, repost it to X and um, TikTok. And what I've realized is like, We've got like 10 to 15 athletes a month from tiktok just like randomly signing up that that we would have never had at all i'm not doing anything extra i'm putting the sticker on tiktok like i'm just putting the thing on yeah. tiktok and i mean the a lot of times the customer isn't like the same quality a customer it's not the same level of bought in but i'm like that is again it's as simple as just finding a way to get it out there in something that i wasn't doing before and and there's really not a ton of extra work you know like it's again i like i like the sticker analogy just just literally just putting the sticker on the thing like just do that tiny extra step um and and right now it's not like the end of the world but again you 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 keep scaling things and like how many like how many sales did you miss like how many uh, water heaters did you not get the fix because of that and that could change the business in in what you're doing
1: yeah i think you hit the nail on the head perfect talking about scale like the more small innovations and, and tweaks you can make, you know, to gain more customers or it adds up in the long run. And, and, you know, you just can't, I think, obviously we talk about this too as coaches, the the most dangerous thing you can think of and like, or mindset you can have in business or, or coaching athletes or whatever it is is, well, this is how we've always done it. And it's always worked. Like, yeah that you know having your principles and a good founding and and all that is incredibly important but just because it works this way doesn't mean it can't work better you know another way and i think sometimes i've harped on this a lot and this is going back to coaching like we have these great mentors and sometimes sometimes we don't uh but we have these great mentors and we're brought up in these programs as athletes. And we think, well, that's how I have to do this. That's, that's the only way for this to be done. Uh, when in all reality, there's maybe a, you know, a lot better way to get these things done. And and I can reach it, like you said, reach a a broader array of customers through different mediums. Uh, and, And so I think that's important. Like we'd never like, we had an extremely successful business before I was ever there and, and it'd be successful without me being there. But like one of the things I noticed was we'd been in business 27 years and we only had like 30 Google reviews in uh, our, our rating was like a 4.3, which isn't bad, would isn't great either. Uh, and I was like, and we've been, we've basically been getting a review a year off Google and, <laughs> I know like if I need something, the first thing I do is get on Google and look up a review, you know, And so I was like, with that iPad deal, one of the things was like before that, another kind of small innovation or whatever, and I'm not some big innovator. I'm just kind of sharing the story or whatever. but like if we if we got dispatched to someone's house and they wanted to pay with a credit card, well, in order for them to pay with a credit card, I, I if I was a plumber, I have to call the shop and get a hold of the secretary and the secretary has to go over to the manual card reader and we manually run the card. And it's just this process that takes forever. And so, you know, like you said, finding new technologies and apps, we found an app that schedules dispatches and takes payment. Uh, And so now the plumber has their iPad. They just take payment in the field and that solves a whole lot of other problems because before that, you know, we may have $50,000 in unpaid invoices each month because customers just we sent them one in the mail and they hadn't paid it. Well, now with the app and being able to take payment in the field, we've cut that to 10,000 or less each month. So you, you became more profitable. But with the review thing, like once they pay, the app we use, the dispatch software we use, it sends them a link to a Google review. And so in a year, we I think now we're at like 137 Google reviews. So in a year, we've added 100 reviews when we had like 30 reviews in 27 years prior. Uh, And like you said, through that, through changing mediums and changing how you reach people, you gain a lot more customers. Like there's, you know, these facility management companies or like VRBO rentals or all these people that may have something in your area that don't know who the hell you are. So the first thing they do is get on Google and look up, you know, your services in that area. And if you got a hundred something reviews, well, you're going to be a lot more appealing to somebody than if you have 20 something reviews, you know? So I think like...
0: Oh, no, I was saying it's crazy the, like, this, like how, like just eliminating like a barrier to either payment or review, how much exponentially it makes it better for the customer to be able to do stuff. I remember the biggest, the biggest, the number one shift we've ever done is switched to online subscriptions for our online programs um before like before we had the app it was excel sheets and it was like every three weeks we would send the excel sheet and then they would send their venmo or paypal or like but so every week basically we're making another sale to the person regardless of if they wanted to or not um and it took our average customer like retention it took it from three months to six months just strictly switching it over to subscription and these are active customers these are not people that are so our account looks at if you're if you're not live on our uh insider then we we send like a cancellation basically so you're not just getting billed because you kept it going so it doubled the like retention rate by just making a subscription and not selling like things to people um every single week and it's it's crazy just like the small small switches like that and the other thing you're talking about like the like how it's always been done too. It's like I think we are brutal. I just talked about this on the Emergence podcast before. This it's like we are brutally bad at not just admitting like we succeeded in spite of. Like we always want it to be because of what we did. Like it's always because of because of because of. And the athletics, it's like the total thing. But it's like I was talking about my college training. It's like I succeeded in spite of my call I survived my own stupidity and like you look at like a lot of business things and like my dad has like an underground business and like he succeeds in spite of his like he has a really good product but like business-wise he he succeeds in spite of that like he could do so much more he's just like such a like he's just a grinder he likes like the like he would never switch over the, the iPad type thing like but like you're succeeding in spite of that and I I feel like we're never very like we're not very good at admitting that there's luck involved, there's randomness involved, um, and and you can succeed based off talent and not because of your systems and and the things that you built. And I think once you're, like you said, take that step back, you go on the fishing trip and you're like, oh, like... This it was not that that was making us successful. We were like that was our, actually our handcuff. um But I think it's hard to see when you are like it's it's way harder to see when you're when you are successful per se. You know, like yeah. the Google reviews to your business didn't really matter because you're six like per se because you were still successful plumbing business. You know, so nobody is desperate to make a change. And I that I was, when I was talking about that with the emergence guys. It was like it was really eye opening of like. The more successful you are, the more you have to be self-aware and pay attention to your own bullshit. Because, like, the more successful you get, the more you can just lie to yourself because you have a bottom number. Um, and you can have a ton of things going on in the background that could just you could you could fix in a second. Um, but you don't you don't notice it anymore. Whereas if you were failing, you would absolutely notice it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important to note, like, how you built something is not necessarily how you grow the same thing you built. Uh, and that just goes back to, you know, this is how we've always done it, but yeah, this is how we've always done it to get to this point. Now, what can we do, you know, to get to this next point? So, you know, how you, that hard grinder mentality and and all that is huge. It's, it's what 90% of businesses are built on, but what kind of takes them to that next level is, you know. Yeah, we've built that base, but now how can we innovate what we're already doing? And, and I and I think that's important, not just in business, obviously, but but coaching as well.
0: I was gonna say that that's like the most athletic like crossover ever. It's like the first program you hop on, like athletes get so it's really hard to break an athlete out of whatever first program they ran because they got new newbie games, like they could run CrossFit, they could run whatever they want on that first program. Um, and they get to a certain point but it's again it's like trying to break them out of that for for strength conditioning specifically is super hard because it got you from A to B but anything would have got you from A to B like that's the thing like I think yeah. anything would have got you from A to B or like B to C is where we got to like spend a little bit more time getting nuanced and, and and building something out there yeah
1: yeah that's exactly right and I, I think that's where that's where the difference is in good coaches and great coaches and good businesses and great businesses is those avenues to growth based off what you've already done. Trying, Not getting away from what you did to get there, but, yeah, we've done that. Now now, what can we do? How, how can we make it better? And, and I think the best ones are constantly finding new little things to tweak uh, while still you know maintaining maintaining that how they got there
0: do you, do you have a process of doing that yourself or making sure you're doing it that, that yourself
1: i think like i said i think it comes to you the more you're not directly involved in your business like i said the the best ideas i've had have came when i either wasn't actually working there and saw how something could be done or like i said when you go on a four or five day fishing trip and something just comes to you while you're sitting there on the boat drinking a beer
0: oh yeah well that that's the that's the best business advice we've had go on a boat drink some beer and, and maybe we'll uh we'll, we'll solve some problems but coach this is awesome this is a really cool uh crossover i didn't i didn't know exactly where this was going to go but I, I like this crossover this is fun talking some plumbing talking some high school uh high school training so thanks for being on
1: hey i appreciate it man and like i said love what you do and and i know the field sometimes gets a bad rap but the strength and conditioning field as a whole, if you want to make a tangible difference and and reach kids and also on the private side, you want to make a little money, I think it's a it's a good field to go into. And, uh, you know, there's n- naysayers and negatives about anything, but if it's something you're passionate about, uh, as a young coach, I say dive headfirst into it. And if, I, if there's ever anybody I can be of help, feel free to reach out.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Twitter is the best spot for that?
1: yeah yeah just twitter uh coach d smith i hadn't changed it i was gonna put it to like i thought about changing it to like lays pipe one or something but i decided against (laughs) that so
0: it just all canceled on twitter right away
1: (laughs) yeah i'll just leave it
0: leave it at what it is all right well thank you for being on thank you guys for listening keep chopping wood thank you for listening Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast
1: guests. Keep chopping wood.